Hello and welcome to another episode of Childhood Evolved. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. This show is all about continuing to evolve the state of childhood forward, along the path it's been on for centuries. It wasn't that long ago in our history as human beings that childhood was not even acknowledged to exist as a unique and special period of time. It wasn't advocated for or protected, and so it's gotten a lot better, not by accident, but by dedicated and caring people relentlessly pushing it forward. My name is Alex, and I've been a preschool teacher for almost 10 years now, and I've had a lot of different questions and topics bouncing around my mind during that time, and really going all the way back to my own childhood. And so now I don't have all the answers, far from it. Uh, what I really have is just a whole lot of questions, and I, my role here is to start a conversation and to get people thinking and involved in this process of continuing to evolve things forward. So I know it's been a few days since I've last published an episode, and part of the reason for that is it's graduation season, and my kids in my school just graduated on Friday. And so there's a lot of emotions and feelings flying through the air and behaviors and things that we talked about a couple episodes ago, and transitions, transitions, transitions was what I called that episode. Um, and so today, I'd like to talk a little bit about fear and scary stuff that can come up in childhood. Young children see the world in a different way than us. The things that might scare them really don't make a lot of sense to us grown-ups. And our challenge is, like, rather than dismissing it because it seems silly or obviously not scary or not threatening, our role really is to treat their emotions as real and valid, and they're feeling the same fear that we feel for the stuff that we're scared of. So we have to kind of set aside that content a little bit and validate their feelings and be present to hear uh, what they have to say and what they have to share through their own feelings. So one of the things that I really like to do as a preschool teacher is to give children a chance to be exposed to this scary stuff in a controlled way. It's really important that the child have a lot of control over what they're exposed to, what scares them, and how long they're exposed to it, things like that. For example, I play some stories that could be called scary or frightening on a Bluetooth speaker for them. And the child gets to choose whether or not to sit for the story or to go play somewhere else and not, not be around it. I wouldn't ever do a scary story like that and have it like be a group thing where everyone has to sit. I also remember a time I did a movie night at school. It was kind of like a fundraiser item at our silent auction, and it was a Saturday night with like four or five kids that got to come, and we watched The Land Before Time, which isn't, again, isn't really a scary movie, but there's parts of it that do scare children. Things like the big T-Rex dinosaur chasing everyone around and it's really loud, and, you know, even the mom dinosaur dies in that movie. So I remember one of my children was scared and went out into the hallway, but she didn't leave. She still stood at the threshold of the door and kind of watched from there. So she didn't want to come any closer, but she also didn't want to take off and, and run away and just hide or cover her ears. So it, that, to me, was her way of controlling the situation, of staying in the exposure and learning to overcome the fear and still get to enjoy the movie, but in a way where she had a lot of control because she knew that at any given moment she could take off and run out into the hallway and not see that movie or see the scary scenes. And so why do I do this? I get that question a lot from other teachers or parents. Um, 
you know, it gives children a chance to feel their fear. And that little almond-shaped part of your brain, the amygdala, deep in there is responsible for a lot of this fear. And it can learn that they're actually safe, even if they're exposed to a scary movie or TV show. They learn that they can handle it. So the child grows stronger and more readily able to tackle challenging situations, even if they are a bit uncomfortable. And like in earlier episodes, I mentioned that boredom is a gift. Really, all kinds of challenging emotions are a gift for children because they learn how to navigate them. They're developing tools to navigate all the storms of life that are eventually going to come their way. They're taking steps towards becoming themselves, really, out in the world someday and right now. So when a child listens to a scary story a few times, 20 times, 100 times, whatever the case may be, their level of fear is slowly dropping off, and they feel so powerful about this. They took something scary and they conquered it. And so this is really my goal for children. And I often have parents who are concerned with their children listening to the scary stories. They may come back to school and say, oh, the the child came home and was scared, crying. They didn't want to be alone. They had a nightmare, something like that. And that's a really tricky topic because our role is to take care of our children, but not necessarily to protect them from every negative feeling or situation that might arise. Otherwise, we're raising these adults who seem to not be able to handle anything, which is something we hear about today in 2019 with the younger generation at times. So these skills of being able to deal with stuff are just really critical. And on the other hand, we want to make sure children are being given tasks that they can successfully navigate with a little bit of support and scaffolding. So we don't want to just go around terrifying the children. Um, In the case where a child has accidentally heard one of these scary stories at school, it's easy for me to just ensure that they don't listen to them by accident before they're ready. So this has come up a lot where children are really young or maybe they just started at our school and they're already kind of on edge. They're transitioning in or they're transitioning out. They're graduating or whatever the case may be. And so in these situations, it's easy to ensure that they just don't listen to the stories by accident. We won't play the scary, scarier ones. We'll play more silly stories or whatever the case may be. And this has happened when maybe the child wants to follow their preferred peer or their friend over to the radio and kind of sit it out, even though it's kind of too scary for them, or it's just an accident, they just overheard it. And I think many of us as adults have sat through something scary, TV show, movie, book, which is not something we would have picked, but we're kind of sticking around to find out how it ends. Almost seems scarier to walk away midpoint and not see how it ends. So I've had a couple of other interesting moments with parents over the years. And in these situations, the child is kind of eagerly seeking out the story and asking for it, doesn't seem to be scared at all in the school environment, and yet is going home and and crying or telling the parent they're scared, whatever the case may be. So this is a situation where that homeschool connection and communication really becomes important. Um, I've had this with other things like messy art activities as well. When parents don't understand what we're doing at school and they don't get the value or the intention behind it, They can get upset because they only see the crying child or the child waking up with a nightmare or the child who they have to scrub face paint off their their face and it takes forever, those kind of things. Um, And so, as I mentioned in my earlier episodes, you really want to find a school that's a good fit and you really want to have these open lines of communication with the school, with the teachers, so that you know what's going on and you know why they're doing what they're doing and that you can make a new plan when you need to because I do have children where... We don't play the scary stories when they're around, or we kind of just steer them away, or whatever the case may be. We want to offer those levels of support to children and families, and communication is really the way that we're going to get there and and maintain that relationship. 
So it's also important to point out that I, I'm not talking about Dracula or the Exorcist here. Some of my really most favorite stories are the ones that combine the silly and the spooky. Children love this repetition so much. They love to hear the same story over and over, but they love to hear a story where it's the same kind of thing happening throughout the story over and over and over, but it, maybe it's a different character in each scene, or it's the same catchphrase, or whatever the case may be. I'm sure if you think about what your children are listening to or watching, there's a lot of repetition, and that really works well for children when they're learning how to consume stories. And so the ones that I play use a lot of this repetition and scary voices to tell a story which seems spooky at first, but they have a very silly ending. They're a fantastic way for children to test their fear threshold and kind of wait it out and then be rewarded with a silly ending. And these stories are five or six minutes long usually. And so in, in them, the monster turns out to be a cat or the witch who's doing an evil plan. It's really just a pumpkin pie and things like that. Um, Big Joe, the storyteller on Spotify is one of my absolute favorites. And I will link some of these shows um, in my show notes. There's another author named Mark Binder who has some really great regular kind of non-scary traditional uh, stories for children. And he has an album of scary stories too, but that album I found is much better suited to probably older children. It's too scary for preschool. And so we don't play that one. And I'll kind of, I'll write a little something up in my show notes and kind of point that out to you. So whether you're a teacher or a parent, I would really encourage you to find ways to stretch and challenge your children. We certainly don't need to go out of our way to scare children. The world is often a confusing and overwhelming place for them, and for many of us adults, honestly. Sometimes things are just way too much. Here in California, we've had a lot of wildfires recently, and I found that a lot of the kids in my class were watching the news at home, and they're seeing homes on fire and burning, and then in the air all around them is smoke, and it smells like smoke, and we're not even able to go outside sometimes because the air quality is really bad. And so even though the adults know down here in the city, you know, there's really no danger that homes are going to catch on fire down here in the city. But it's up in the mountains, in the wilderness and in other neighborhoods where it's really more dangerous. But kids don't get that. They see homes on TV burning and there's smoke in the air. So there's really no way to explain or convince them that they're safe. And that part of their brain that's wired to detect danger is just going to be going off with alarm bells. And so watching any kind of news with young children isn't a way to help them build a healthy tolerance to the scary stuff. The stuff on the news is way too much, even for many adults to process on a daily basis. And remember that the news is designed to scare us, to keep us watching and consuming. They don't put really happy or positive things in the news. Uh, they put the things that are going to get and, and keep our attention, which is scary stuff. Um, so really, it's about finding developmentally appropriate ways to challenge your child. You can identify something they're scared of, whether it's a book, the swimming pool, a dark room, whatever the case may be, and just find those little baby steps towards conquering the fear. And this isn't going to happen overnight, but you'll get there. The part of our brain that controls fear often doesn't listen to language and talking and reason. It's kind of a one-way street. It takes in information and decides if there's a threat or not. And then once it decides that there is a threat, it wants absolute certainty. It wants to be out of that situation, which is why they say fight or flight. You're either going to fight it off or you're going to run away. Uh, there's actually a third option, which is freeze. So it's fight, flight, or freeze. And the only way to retrain that part of your brain is to stay in a situation long enough while feeling the fear, and then it'll eventually cross it off that danger list. So there's no shortcut around it. There's no talking it 
it down or anything else. You have to be in the situation and feel the fear and wait for it to drop. And that's it. And avoidance is actually going to just strengthen that sense of danger over time. So really, you want to figure out what it is your child's afraid of and take those baby steps towards conquering the fear. So that's basically it for today. Um, as I mentioned, it's graduation season and there's just a lot going on. And even to get this episode up, it took me a few days more than usual to get it all down and work on it. So within this topic of fear and anxiety, there's a lot that we can get into. And I definitely plan on doing more episodes on it. It's a particular interest area for me with kids. I mean, I had a lot of anxiety as a kid. I still have a lot of anxiety. It's something I struggle with, but it's something I've done a lot of work on. And I've really learned it's, it's a manageable thing. It's really just these parts of our brain that are trying so hard to protect us. And if we learn how to talk to them in the right way, how to relate to them in the right way, we can really overcome a lot. And so I've gone from myself, like having an elevator phobia. I mean, I, I still won't get in an elevator. I guess it's claustrophobia or whatever. I don't know. And I don't really need to get in an elevator, so I haven't really worked on overcoming that one. But I wanted to start traveling on my own, and that was really scary. And I got on a plane, and I went to Seattle, and then I went to Alaska. And then I thought, like, where do I really want to go? I really want to go to Europe. And that's, like, on the bucket list someday when I have someone to go with or whatever. I don't know. And because it was really scary, I think that's what kind of drew me to say, like, no, I'm going to go now. And so I book a ticket. And I went to Germany alone a couple years ago. And it's just, there's so many different things to be afraid of and anxious about that. Just going to the airport alone, getting on the plane and they close that door and there you are. You're, you're on the plane for 10 hours and then you're going to be in Europe all alone. And so that was a big experience for me just learning that just because you're feeling fear doesn't mean you're unsafe. And we really got to push through these things. And it was a fantastic trip. And since then, I've been traveling more and more and more on my own. And so anyway, long story short, I, I definitely want to talk more about fear and anxiety and children and all of the normal, regular childhood stuff. And when to when do you determine if your child actually is more anxious than typical and you need more intervention, therapy or, or extra help, something like that. So we'll get into all of that as time passes. And other than that, thanks for sticking it out and I'll see you next time.